Hey, thanks for tuning in to today's podcast. Here at Velocity, we love listening about how lives are changed through our church. So if that's you, please contact us at amen at findvelocity.org. Enjoy today's message. And we've been studying around this concept for the last few weeks, and we started by learning that we got to say no to our limits, that the limitations we've set for ourselves, we've got to push past that and push beyond that. And then the second week, we talked about stepping beyond our borders and how many times when you do that, God will just give you one word and you have to step out on that word and trust God that he knows where he's taking you. He knows where he's leading you. And we talked about circling back to where you started. Sometimes you got to go back to where you started just so you can see how far God has brought you. Last week, we talked about how God can multiply what we have when we give it to him. And I want to close out today as we talk about honoring God and expanding God's house. I want to remind us that God also wants to provide for us. Do you believe that? God wants to provide for you. He wants to bring his favor and his increase and his blessings into your lives, your families, your businesses. So it's with that thought in mind, I want to give you a window into something that God has been using to encourage me. And I use that word window intentionally because scripture window represents a couple things. Window represents a perspective, right? Something you look through to see what God has. And at the same time, window also represents provision. You see that in Malachi chapter three, where God says, I want to challenge you. Put me to the test. I, I, I want to bless you. I have things I want to do in your life, but I can't release what's in my heart because you won't release what's in your hand. Let me, let me read it to you. It's in Malachi 3 verse 10. He says, I'm the Lord all powerful and I challenge you to put me to the test. Bring the entire 10% into the storehouse so there'll be food in my house. See, uh, the people of God at this time, much like people in this church, they thought they were tithing, but they really weren't. They were giving to God, but just a little bit. And tithe means 10%. So God said, I want you to bring the full 10% into my house so that, why? So that I can open up the windows of heaven and flood you with blessing after blessing. One translation says, pour out a blessing beyond your wildest dreams, beyond. In other words, God wants to do something in your life that is above and beyond all you can ask or think. He's got windows above and a blessing he wants to pour out beyond what you can imagine. But you gotta open the window. You gotta release what's in your hand. And so, so with that thought in mind, I want us to understand this by looking at a passage in the Old Testament. And this is not a very well-known passage. So as we take a look at this, if we start reading, you're like, I have never heard this story before in the Bible. There's not something wrong with you. This is not one of the greatest hits. This isn't one of the classic. This, this is one of the obscure B-sides that you got to get at some weird record store. Like that, you only hear it in these places. And uh, I think you're going to like it. But in this passage, we're going to see a king, King Jehoash. And he stops short of receiving what God wants to provide for him. 
and I see so much myself in King Jehoash, especially every time I think back to all those things that I wish I could do differently or I would have done differently had I known what was waiting for me on the other side. So I wanna use this today to set up this idea that God's got what you need. Do you believe that this morning? God's got what you need. It's just a matter of us receiving it. So 2 Kings chapter 13, we're gonna start in verse 14. If you wanna follow along, make sure I'm not making this up. See that it is in the Bible for yourself. But we'll put the words on the screen. It says, now Elisha had been suffering from the illness from which he died. Elisha was an old man at this point. Elisha, he was that well-known prophet. He had restored a nation's water supply. He had multiplied the oil for the widow. He'd done all sorts of miracles. This is that same Elisha. He's an old man now. He's about to die. Jehoash, king of Israel, went down to see him and wept over him. My father, my father, he cried, the chariots and horsemen of Israel. Now, the reason he says that is because nations at this time in biblical history, their strength, their ability, their influence was all in their military power and their might. And so when he calls Elisha the chariots and horsemen of Israel, what he's saying is, look, I recognize that the strength of our nation isn't in our military power. It's in what God can provide. It's in what you can do. God has used you to provide for us. That's why he says that. So Elisha says, go get a bow and some arrows. And he did so. Take the bow in your hands, he said to the king of Israel. And when he'd taken it, Elisha put his hands on the king's hands. How many of you want God to put his hands on your efforts today, on the, on the things that you're doing, on your business, your family? He says, open the east window. And he opened it. Shoot, Elisha said, and he shot. The Lord's arrow of victory, the arrow of victory over Aram, Elisha declared. You will completely destroy the Arameans at Aphek. And then he said, take the arrows. And the king took them. And Elisha told him, strike the ground. He struck it three times and stopped. And the man of God was angry with him. He said, you should have struck the ground five or six times. Then you would have defeated Aram and completely destroyed it. But now you'll defeat it only three times. And the story ends right there. Kind of a perplexing situation. This king had a need. He goes to the prophet for God to answer this need and God was answering the king's need. Only the problem is the king couldn't see it. And because he couldn't see it, he didn't receive it. And I wanna use this strange, bizarre story because I believe God has something in here for you today. I believe he, got, I believe he wants to speak to you about the connection between our perspective and our provision. Our perspective and our provision. And I'm calling this message, if you wanna take notes, I'm calling it Raise Your Perspective. Raise Your Perspective. I wanna pray, it's always my custom to pray because I know I need God's help and I believe I'm not alone in this. I believe you need God's help too. And so if you would bow your head with me, I wanna ask that God would speak to us today through his word. God, we thank you so much that every time we open up your word, you speak. And God, I'm asking that you would use me today. God, let your word flow through me. God, help me speak this like you showed it to me. 
Let my words be your words, God. Not my ideas, opinions, philosophies, God, but let your word flow through me. We thank you for it, God. We thank you that in this word is the power for everything we need. And everybody who agrees with that can say amen. Man, you guys look so good today. I'm so glad you're here. I wanna thank all of you for bringing the people in your life. I believe you're doing that because God has used this church to change your life. And it means a lot to me that you would bring people with you, but not just to me, it means a lot to God because that's how God uses you. God is using this ministry to speak truth into your life and transforming the way you think. And you can do that for other people. So keep that up, appreciate it. I'm curious though, how many of you are believing God for something right now? Could you just raise your hand? I wanna see you believing God for something right now. A number of you are. If I could be honest with you, I would tell you it would do my pastor heart so much good to see every hand in the room go up because I wanna lead a church and I wanna be a part of a church that is full of faith, uh, a church that is expecting that God is gonna move on their behalf, that is expecting that God knows their needs and cares about their needs and that God wants to use them and God wants to perform his will in their life. I wanna be a part of a church like that. You know, the truth is, Though I bet for everybody who did raise their hand, there, there's a number of you that if I was to sit down and have a conversation with you, what we'd find is that you're not so much expecting something specific from God, believing for something specific from God, as much as you're just kind of sort of hoping that in a very vague and general way that God will shine down some of his good God luck in your general direction. I'm being facetious, of course, but I, I've just discovered that a lot of us really aren't coming to God with specific needs. We're just kind of hoping that maybe God will remember us with everything else he has going on. Some of us don't even want to bother God with our needs. But you know, God isn't bothered by you coming to him with a need. If you want to bother God, don't come to him at all. So, I've been thinking about this, I don't know, maybe it's because of Christmas time, I'm just more acutely aware of the needs in people's lives and I, I know what you're thinking. It's not because I'm such a compassionate and loving pastor, it's because I have four little humans in my house. <laughs> Christmas time, all it takes is for that catalog, that Target catalog to show up at my house and they are so quick to share with me all of their needs. My littlest daughter, Pippa, she needs a Barbie dream house. She tells me that. She points to it. I need that. That's what she tells me. Dad, I need that. My, my other, no, she doesn't. I don't receive that. Get behind me. Uh, my, my other kids, though, they're, they're, they're really, I'd say really into, but that'd be dishonest. They're addicted to Fortnite. Um, some of you are judging me right now. I'm being serious. I, I, I use, you think addicted is a strong word, but I would ask you, do your kids feel the need to bust out in spontaneous dance moves at any moment every day? See, for me, that's the point where it moves beyond just an enjoyment of something to, well, this is abnormal. This is unhealthy, but uh, they're addicted to that. But they're looking at the Target catalog and I mean, in, in one of the two times a year where I allow myself to visit Purgatory, also known as Target, and I'm, 
I'm going with them through the aisles. They're, they're, they're dragging me through, pointing out to me everything that, that they want, everything that they need. And the reason they're doing this is because I've, I've said this to them. I said, Dad, can you get this for me? Can we get this? And I, I say these words, we'll see. We'll see. Which are two of the most useless words in the human language. Because when you say we'll see to a child, what you are saying is please annoy the crap out of me until you finally wear me down and I give in to all of your demands. That's what we'll see means. We'll, we'll see. That's what it means in the original Greek. We'll see. And uh, it, it, it's funny, though, because Grant, he's my youngest son. He came up to me the other day, and he said, Dad, did you see yet? I said, I said, did I see what? Did you see about getting me that toy? Did you see yet? I said, no, get away from me. Away with you, child. But uh, aren't you glad that God not only knows what you need, but he sees what you need? How many of you are happy for that, thankful for that? God knows what you need. He sees what you need, even before you know you need it. That's what's so interesting to me about that story of the disciples and the multiplication of the loaves and fishes. One of the gospel accounts says that Jesus already had in mind what he was going to do. He already knew what he was going to do, but he asked them, what do you have? Because that's the way God's provision works. He wants you to use what you have. It's interesting to me, he didn't bypass what the disciples had. He multiplied it. And God wants you to use what you have. That's what Elisha knew. Some of you are like, where's the story going? We're talking about Elisha today. Elisha knew that all God wants is for to use what you have, for you to use what you have. But he wants you to use all that he's given you, all that he's put in your hand. He doesn't want you to stop short. He doesn't want you to go halfway. And that was the problem with King Jehoash. King Jehoash, he has a need in his life. And at this point, he's going to see Elisha. Elisha's about to die. And this king has one chance to get what he needs from the man of God, from the prophet. You see, the situation is this king has inherited a problem. Kings before him were half-hearted kings. They had turned their back on God, ignored his ways, ignored his statutes. And now the king's got a problem because there's all these opposing nations that want to wipe him out. So now that the pressure's on, he goes to see Elisha. And that's the good thing about pressure, by the way. Lots of times we're praying that God would take away the pressure, but if we're honest, nobody was seeking Elisha when there was no pressure. Now that there's pressure, now they're trying to get their priorities straight. And they're asking for provision and they're going to see the prophet. So I don't know what brought you to church today. Maybe you're experiencing some pressure in your life, but I'm glad that you're here. I'm glad that you said, God, this may be my last shot, but I need you to speak to me. God, I need you to act. I've tried everything else. God, I need you to do something in this situation. And pressure will do that for you. And so this king, he goes and he visits the prophet. And it's interesting, he he went down and he begins to weep over him. And I understand why he's weeping because what he's about to lose is significant. 
See, Elisha, he's not just a prophet. He's not just a preacher. Elisha represented God's provision to the people. That's why I thought it was so interesting that in the Old Testament, they called the prophet a seer. A seer, because there's a connection between God's provision and our perspective. They called the prophet a seer because he could see things. And through the prophet, the people would see God. And God, through the prophet, would speak to the people by what he would see. That experienced God's provision. Like sometimes Elisha, he, he would see when there was going to be a military attack. He would warn the king about it. Now, it's interesting that God's provision didn't prevent the attack from happening, but it did provide the strength for them to withstand it. See, sometimes we get God's provision confused because we think that if God's gonna provide for us, he's gonna prevent the problem from happening. But that's not what he did. See, lots of times when we come to God and, and we ask God to meet a need, what we're really asking is God, eliminate this need from my life. What we're really asking is God, create for me a life. Create for me a situation that would make you unnecessary. That's what we're asking. But God is never going to do that for you. He is never going to create a life for you where you don't need him. So God will provide for you, but he doesn't prevent the fight. He provides the faith. And uh, this is where this king is at. He's weeping over Elisha, focused on what he's losing. But Elisha's trying to point him to what he has left. And every season in our life, we have this choice. Will I weep over what I've lost or will I work with what I have left? Elisha's about to leave the building, but he wants to point to the provision. And I believe God wants to point out the provision he's put in your path today. And I've been asking God to do that in my own life. I see it in this text where Elisha says to this king, get a bow, get some arrows. Now, if you're paying attention, when he said this, the bow and arrows didn't magically appear in that moment. He didn't say that and all of a sudden the clouds parted and there was this bow and arrows that started floating down from the sky. No, all Elisha is doing is telling him to locate what is already there. To locate what is already available to him. He says, get a bow and some arrows. And the king does it. He says, take the bow in your hands. He puts his hands on the king's hands. Verse 17 he says, open the east window. And he says this because, again, he's wanting him to see something. He's wanting to give him a perspective that he normally wouldn't see. He opened it, he said, shoot, and he shot it. And then Elisha said, this is the Lord's arrow of victory, the arrow of victory over Aram. You will completely destroy the Arameans at Aphek. Now this is fascinating because God declared complete and total victory for him. This king came with a need and God said, 
Need answered. I am giving you everything you need. I have placed it in your hands. It's available to you. But what happened next is tragic because even though he had everything he needed, even though God answered his prayer, even though God gave him the provision, he never received the victory he was hoping for. And here's why. In verse 18, he says, take the arrows, king took them. Elisha said, strike the ground. He struck it three times. And the man of God was angry with him. And he said, you only did half of what you should have done. You only went part of the way. You had more arrows in your hand and you stopped short. He says, you should have struck the ground five or six times, but you only did three. If you would have done it five or six times, you would have defeated Aram and completely destroyed it. But now you only defeat them three times. And this is what I want to key in on today. Because it wasn't a lack of ammunition, ability. It wasn't a lack of arrows that caused the king to miss his miracle. It wasn't a lack of weapons. It was a lack of will. He stopped short. He said, if you would have used everything I put in your hand, you would have defeated this. But because you only went halfway, you're going to get a partial victory. One of the most unfortunate stories in scripture, I think, God made him a promise. God answered the prayer, but he never received it because he stopped short. And he stopped short because he couldn't see what God was doing. I'm trying to help you realize that God's provision and my perspective are connected. I think about this with my wife because like one of my, my wife does so many amazing things for our family. She works so hard, great mom, great wife. And one of the things she does for our entire family is she uses Saturdays to make our house immaculate. Nobody asked her to do this. She's just taking it upon herself to make sure that everything is done Saturday so that Sunday our family would just chill, just family time. Now, the problem is, is that she has job security in this endeavor for at least the next 16 years because of the four little humans that live with us. Because she'll go in and she will clean up a room. And 10 minutes later, it'll be a disaster. Now, I will say to my kids' credit, they're not trying to make it a disaster. They just don't see the mess. They're playing a game. They're playing Fortnite, not the video game Fortnite. They are playing imaginary. They are in the video game Fortnite. And they have turned the bedroom into a war room. And everything that's in there, they've built obstacles and they've built barriers and buildings and structures and they're on a mission. But when my wife opens the door, she doesn't see a mission, she sees a mess. And she'll clean it up and get them to clean it up and then she'll leave and she'll walk back in and it is a disaster. But my boys don't see a disaster, they see a dance floor. They are busting a move because it's Fortnite. And the thing is, what I'm trying to say is, what she sees as a mess, they see as a mission. What she sees as a disaster, they see a dance floor. It's all a matter of perspective, but I want to give my wife some credit because it's not just her, it's me. 
I've noticed this about myself. I have the ability to walk into any situation and see the negative, see what's wrong with something. I don't know, is there anybody else like, like me with this? I think it is a borderline spiritual gift for a pastor because you walk into something and you're like, okay, well, that's wrong. Well, that, was, that shouldn't be there. Why did that happen? And I, I make this list. Sometimes I make a list in my head. Sometimes I make an actual list. I make a list of pros and I make a list of cons. The pros are what's good and the cons are what's bad. And the problem is, is that my cons list is always five to six times as long as my pros list. Is there anybody else like me? That's what's so funny to me. If people ever come up to me and say something about church, they're like, hey, man, it's great, but man, the drums were like really loud today. Did you notice that? I was like, is that all you noticed? Is it like, is that it? Is that the one thing? Because I've got like 15 things that I don't know if you're volunteering to help because I've got like 15 things that have to be corrected before next Sunday. Do you want to compare lists? Because I, I can walk into a situation and I just see <laughs> it's this list of, of pros and cons and, and my cons list is so long. And, and the problem with that is someone told me one time that if you ever want to correct something that you've got to have like, you know, three positive things to the one negative thing that you want to correct. So I look at my list, I'm like, well, I'm going to get one of these things corrected today because I've only got like four things that I can say that are, are halfway uh, encouraging. And so I go through this, but, but this is my, my, my problem. I walk into situations and I always see what I'm missing. I see what I'm missing. What's not there that should be there? What, what, what I don't have? What, what, what I'm lacking? What I've lost? What, what I need that I, that I don't have? And I will give myself a little bit of credit. And that's the fact that at least I see the need. <laughs> some, some people don't even see the need. Have you ever met those people? It's like my kids. It's not that they don't pick up. They just don't even see the need. Like they are oblivious to it. They walk in, they put their coats on the floor and will walk past it the next six hours. Don't even see the need that it should be picked up. So, you know, it's, it's at least I see the need. Some people don't even see the need. Like I'm excited about all the stuff we're doing in the Dominican Republic and stuff we're doing with bus benches in our city, and that's just some of it. We're even doing more stuff than that, but all of that's great, and I love it if you're excited about that, but it it's, bothers me when people don't even see the need here. Like, that stuff is not the ministry. This is the ministry. This is meeting the need. That's the above and beyond. Like, the need is all the people in our city that don't know Jesus yet. The, the, the need is the people that come here that need hope, encouragement, and need their destiny changed. That, that's the need. The, the need are the marriages that are strong. That's the need. Some people don't even see the need. And sometimes people don't see the need because all they see is the symptom. That, that's called referred pain. You know what I'm talking about? That, that's where you've got a pain in your knee so you try and go fix the pain in your knee, but the issue is in your back. And you're walking around, what's wrong with my knee? My knee hurts, but all along, the need 
just to get your back fixed. What I'm trying to say is we don't even see what we need. God knows what you need, but we don't see what we need. And I'm trying to get you today to see God's supply, to see his supply in your situation. Because if you're anything like me, I walk into situations, I'll tell you what's wrong with it in a minute. And we've got a list, you can hold off a minute because I've got like 25 more minutes. Just kidding. But I do have more, so you can hold off. I walk into these situations and I see everything that's wrong. Why I can't do something. Why I'll never be able to make it happen. Why, why I, I, I can't give. Why I can't tithe. Why I can't be who God's called me to be. I, I, I don't have the connections. I, I don't have that influence to make that thing happen. I, I don't have that ability. I don't have the intelligence for that. I, I, I wasn't given those kind of smarts. I, I don't have that resource. I see all these things. I make the list in my mind. I can't do this because con. I, I don't have that con. Uh, I got this list of cons in my mind. I'm wondering when you make the list in your mind, you've got that list of all the reasons why you can't do that thing that God has called you to do. You've got that list in your mind of why you can't do that thing that God has been challenging you with for a long time. You've got that list in your mind. I wonder when you see that list or everything you're seeing, all those reasons, I wonder what you're seeing. Is that a con? Let me say that again, because I don't think you got it. I wonder when you make that list in your mind of all the reasons why you can't do what God has called you to do, challenge you to do, when you make that list, is that list a con? A deception? I wonder, that's what, Deception is you're, you're seeing something that's false, deceived. What you're seeing is not reality. And God's been challenging me with that. Been deceived. All these things, all these reasons, all these excuses, all the things that I think are negative, is it a con? So I've been, I've been trying to switch it up. I've been trying to change because faith flips the script. Uh, my natural response is to walk into situations and see what I'm missing, why I can't do something. And I've been trying to switch it up and flip it. Instead of seeing what I'm missing, I'm asking God to show me what am I missing? What what am I missing, God? What am I not seeing? What, what are you doing? What have you put in my path? What, what, what is available to me that I've, I've missed? What am I seeing? God, I don't want to focus on the cons. I'm asking God to raise my perspective. I'm asking God to give me provision. Provision. So you're starting to get it now. Because I've been focused on all the reasons why I can't. 
I've been weeping over what, what, what I've lost. I've, I've been looking at what I'm losing and what I lack. So stuck in what's not. What I don't have and what I can't do, can't I tell you? Man, if, if I would have been looking at all the reasons why I can't and everything that I don't have, Velocity Church would not exist. I, I'm, not, I'm not trying to, to make you feel bad. I'm just saying I've got so many weaknesses. So easy for me to see all of my weaknesses, but I've determined I don't want to let my weaknesses prevent me from fulfilling God's purpose. So I'm asking God, God, give me provision. Not meet the need, but help me to see how you've already met the need. Help me to see what you've already put in my path. I want to use everything that I have. Every arrow. You know, our, our theme verse, it comes from a prayer that Paul prayed for the church. He ended it with this. Now to him is able to do above and beyond all that we can ask or think. That's how he ended it. But you know, before he ever got to that part, same book, Ephesians, he started the prayer, chapter one, with this, God, open the eyes of their heart. Open their eyes to see your glorious riches. You know, I think if God's gonna do above and beyond all we can ask or think, we need to start by asking him to open our eyes to what he's already done. To open our eyes. God, God wants to give you so much. He does. He asked for our first and our best, but God never asked for something from us without giving something to us. And I wanna ask you to give something to God today. I'm not just talking about giving an offer. I'm talking about giving him your expectation that he's gonna move in your life. I talk to so many people, sometimes I'll ask them, what are you believing God for? It's like, oh, you know, nothing in particular. You know what you're gonna get? Nothing in particular. But if you begin to approach God, that's what this offering is about for me. It's about saying, God, this whole year was around one word, ascend. I believe that God wants to take us higher. I believe he wants to do more in your life. I believe he wants to stretch your faith. I believe he wants to bring increase. I believe all of these things. And to really get there, you've got to stretch. Stretch. 